0: Hello, Moto America fans, it's time for another episode of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you may even learn something from this unlikely pair and their special guest. The mic is yours, Paul and Sean. Hello, Moto America fans, welcome to this latest edition of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. I am Bice and I'm joined by the extremely handsome Paul Carruthers Communications Manager for Moto America. And our guest today is well. By the way, we're at New Jersey Motorsports Park. Um, we're we're recording this prior to the race weekend, but it's obviously going to air, and you're seeing it after that weekend. So we're going to kind of project some things. But we've got um, a local rider, uh, originally from Long Island, but New Jersey Motorsports Park is his, is his home track. He uh, cut his teeth in New Jersey NJ Mini Cup, I believe. It's Joe Joseph. Lamandry Junior
1: and we're gonna talk about your name a little bit too. So anyway, welcome. Uh yeah guys, I'm Joseph Lamondre, as I said. But uh I just wanna thank you guys for giving me this opportunity. It's sick to do it at the track. Um yeah, I'm just excited for the weekend. Like they said, home track, so I get a little home
2: track advantage. So we'll see he's, see how it goes. He said he's been wanting to get on the podcast for a while and we and we've banned him until this point i so. know
0: we wanted i we've been trying i know you reached out to us and stuff so a couple things i do this all the time i never know if it's supposed to be mandry
2: or mandry but you said it's la mandry it's la mandry yeah it's la mandry is the american way and yeah. i think i did it right for the press conference because he was impressed Le the Mondry. first time
0: i think we had it right when you Le were Mondry. last year
2: quite a bit but um it's obviously italian Yeah, very Italian,
1: but it took a long time for everybody to get it, but luckily I was on the uh, podium enough for people to start to figure it out.
0: Yeah, and the other (laughs) thing about that too is, like, you're on the entry list and in our bios is Joseph. Are you Joseph or are you Joe? Uh, Joseph,
1: Joe. I I mean, on my birth certificate, uh, Bazooka Joe is the right way to say it. Oh, well,
0: (laughs) I want to ask you about that. That was my third thing. Are you okay with that? Who came up with it? And I know where
1: it came from, but- well, so I'm sure you guys know who the uh, CFE boys are, the, oh, yeah. the super fans. They show up. Oh, yes. They bring life to the party, you know. <laughs> um, but it was, I don't remember the year. It was a couple of years ago. They were just, we we're just sitting there. And my nickname was Fast Joe for the longest time. It's ever, ever since I started riding. Um, and they're like, we got to come up with a nickname for you because you're like a rocket on the track. They're like, Rocket Joe. No, that's too close to Joe Rocket. And then they're like, Bazooka Joe. And then one guy... Just screamed skadoosh, which is kind of my <laughs> slogan now, which is, I guess that's how, how the rocket sounds when it comes out of the bazooka. But, um, <laughs> it was actually at Jersey when I had my first podium. Um, I finished second, uh, 20, 2020. It was my first, my first ever podium. And they came over to our pit and they had this whole skit. They came over. One guy got down on one knee with like a big water bottle, like he was holding a rocket. And screamed, skiddish. And the other guy was like standing a little far away and threw Bazooka Joe bubblegum everywhere and like, jumped onto the ground. So that was pretty cool.
0: That's very cool. That's well, I'm glad because I wasn't sure if how you felt about that name, but if it came from the CFE guys, I know it's coming from love. So that's that's really cool.
1: And they're fantastic for a paddock to have, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's yeah. great to see people that really love the sport so much as like as them. They just, they not, they're not really here to cheer on someone in particular. They're just here to have fun, cheer for everybody. And drink and, beer. Uh, what was that? And drink some beer. And drink some beer from 6 o'clock in the morning to the end of the <laughs> night, which, whatever
0: floats their boat, because I love them. They're um, crazy. I'm sure they will They will have been here this weekend since we're talking about this afterwards. Yeah. I'm sure we saw them. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, no, go
1: ahead. That's all right. They're at Pitt and- uh yeah, I just love seeing those guys. Yeah. They're awesome. And yeah. uh, I'm pretty sure they're coming this weekend. They usually
2: tell me if they're coming or not, but yeah, yeah this is usually this is where they started, wasn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you you were at Pittsburgh, you raced in SuperSport, you filled in on the f- uh, 55 team, Michael Gilbert, mm-hmm. in su- in SuperSport and you've come from Junior Cup in the past. So it's a pretty that's a pretty big step. Um
1: how how did you feel about how things went for you at Pittsburgh? Um Honestly, I think it was awesome. Uh, It was a great weekend. It was a great learning weekend. The whole Michael Gilbert racing team is absolutely amazing. Um, Michael is amazing. Uh, It kind of sucks that he's a little injured right now and can't ride the bike, but it's good that I'm on it, so that's not bad, but... You know, Murph was my data guy. He was great. Richie, my mechanic, was awesome. Poncho, my crew chief. I just, I just love the whole team. They're great. And the bike, the bike is awesome. Yeah. Um. You know, even though I ra- I raced Junior Cup all last year, and I rode a 400 for the long time. Um. I have my own 600. It's built by Boss Racing. Uh. He was the same guy that built my 400 last year, and I ride that all the- I ride that most, mostly when I'm not racing Moto America or ri- and or riding my Supermoto. I'm probably on that bike. So. I have some experience riding the Supersport bike, but it's a whole lot different than the 750, and it was a little bit of a learning experience, but every time I went out there, we went faster and faster every single time, and, you know, I wish the results were a little farther up, but that's kind of just me taking a little longer to learn the bike, and, Mm -hmm. you know, we're at the home track now, so we have the home track, home crowd behind me, so I'm excited to
2: do something this weekend. So, that Junior Cup to Twins Cup is a jump. Mm Mm-hmm. Is it a bigger jump from Ju from from Twins Cup to Super Sport? Um, well, I wasn't really from Junior Cup to Twins Cup,
1: it wasn't really all that bad. They're just they're the bikes are different. You just gotta figure out how to ride the twin a little differently. It's not that much faster than the Junior Cup, it's got a little more grunt down low, which kind of sets you up for the Super Sport because you know, the twin you get on the gas mid corner and that thing is gonna pull, it's gonna pull out of the corner. Where you know, I was used to a uh, An R6 where you get on the gas and that thing needs to be in the upper to mid range for it to really do anything. So it wasn't, I was kind of just prepared for it. And the 750 is a little different. It's got a lot of torque down low where I'm just starting to figure out, you know, how to manage the tire, um, how to stand the bike up on the gas, which I never really had to worry about with the other bikes.
0: Yeah, there's a few more things with that bike. I've heard it's really good off the corners. That's a big thing with it. And it's got that electronic throttle that um they, I know they can manage it if they have to in terms of like balancing and all that. But mm-hmm. it seems like they've got that bike pretty good now. I mean, obviously, Tyler Scott's been on it and and there are a fair number of 750s in the class. So that's quite a bike for you to be on, though. It's It's got
1: all the power you probably need, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. it's It's a really good bike. I mean, obviously, the 750s, they're starting to develop it. It's starting to become... The bike to be on. Obviously, Tyler's out there winning a lot of races, finishing on the podium, fighting for wins if he's not winning. And, you know, same with Michael's bike. That bike is great. We had one of the fastest trap speeds in every session. I just got to figure out what it likes, what it doesn't like, and just push a little harder on it.
0: I wanted to ask you about a in the past you've been well maybe you've been continually uh, affiliated with boss racing. I know a couple of years ago when you were a sport bike track here towards the end of the year, I think you did a couple of rounds for with under boss racing as the title uh of your team what what who are they what are they to you and what's what's what is what are they all about
1: boss uh, racing well actually, last year we were with STG, but boss racing built my bike He's like we everything was done. Like, all bike work and everything was done through Boss Racing. Okay. But Brian and Max just transported the bike and everything. We were just – and we were under their name. They helped us out a lot. But Boss Racing was the one who built the bike, did all the R&D, helped with data, set set up and everything like that. But, you know, Anthony Corbo, he's in – I can't remember the exact town that he's in. But he's based out of New Jersey, northern New Jersey, um, near Sparta he has a, you know, the boss racing shop. He builds bikes. Like if you go to CCS, 99% of the bikes are built by boss racing. Really? Wow. Okay. So a huge, that's like his thing. His thing is CCS. He flashes ECUs. He could tune bikes. He does suspension. And, you know, last year was his first time doing this whole Moto America, running a team thing. He was my crew chief and, you know, he figured it out real fast. And all my bikes, even my R6, which is It's not even a fully built bike. It doesn't have any engine work or anything done to it. And I could run fast, like really fast, close super sport times on that bike just because it's built so well and it's so fast and it handles amazingly.
0: So, you're from
1: Long Island, Mm -hmm. but you have absolutely no accent at all. What's the deal? I don't know. People say I kind of sound Southern when I talk. a little bit. Yeah. I sound a little Southern, but I have some, you know, New York. I guess you call it Tang to when I speak sometimes. You just got to catch me at the right moment.
0: Yeah. So you were up, you're up there, but you got involved in New Jersey
1: Mini. uh, NJ Mini GP, New Jersey Mini GP. How did you get started with that? Well, when I was little, you know, my dad used to ride. So I wanted to hop on a bike and there wasn't many outlets for car like riding other than the big track. So you had to wait a long time. And we're just riding in a parking lot. And my friend Marcello's dad, you know, pointed us to New Jersey Mini GP. It kind of just started with Brandon and Maz. Like they were the first kids to start riding. And then they kind of, it kind of just evolved into, you know, it's probably the best spot to where if you want your kid to start learning how to ride, you go to NJ Mini GP. Um, It's where I learned. It's where Gus learned, Brandon, Maz, um, Xavier, like so many fast riders have come through that program. So you used to race with all those guys, or just the tail end of them? Um, I've raced Maz and Brandon a couple times. I got smoked when I was little, but <laughs> I got smoked by all of them. But I raced, you know, Spencer Humphreys, Gus. Oh, yeah. We've been I've been racing them too forever. Uh, Spencer was a little later, couple like couple years later into um, when me and Gus started racing. But you know, me and Gus have been riding
2: since well, racing since I've been like ten, eleven years old. So at this particular race, when 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 I'm at the podium. There's oftentimes I notice there's a big bunch of kids there and little leathers, and they're all from that association. Yeah, more than half of them,
1: even a lot of them over at the Mini Cup racing this weekend. You know, We got Josh Raymond, Nathan Betancourt, Marty Salem, a ton of really talented riders that went through that same program that I have went to and everyone else that are over there racing, fighting for wins and everything.
2: Were you young enough to ever do that or not? I mean, were they, Were they? was it going for when you were young, when you were that age and you were, were you at the podium or did it come later?
1: Yeah, I was. I've, you know, we used to do the minis at Moto America, which I think we should start back up again. Um, like a good, good showcase for young talent. Just, you know, we used to do it right in the parking lot where they, uh, that little area where they do the stunting show and stuff like that. Yes. That used to be uh, the little mini GP thing. That was awesome. So I've been. Technically, I've been at Moto America since I've been very young. Wow. Yeah, cool. Technically riding in air quotes. So wh- when you're not on the track, what, what are you doing? Um, other than doing my workouts and everything, uh, I was working at Orient Express. I Well, first off, I started working for my dad in construction. I had surgery over the off season on my knee. That That's I've been, right. You did. Yeah, yeah. I've been putting that off for way too long. And then right after the last round at Barber, I couldn't even walk. I had to get it. I had no choice. Um, like my leg would dislocate every, almost once or twice every week. And then at one point it was actually the morning after the last race of the season, we we're doing a track day at Barber. I dislocated my leg and I couldn't get it in until surgery. So I couldn't really walk and nothing. I was working and everything. In the meantime, I was, wor- I worked up until the last two days before surgery, but it was tough. It hurt. I couldn't really bend. I couldn't do anything. Couldn't lift weights. So I had surgery and, um. What did they do? Uh, I surge my ACL was snapped in half and it was ripped off my bone off oh. the uh, off my femur. Uh, my NC, my MCO was super stretched, so they had to fix that. My meniscus was torn <laughs> on the front and back, and my IT band was almost torn in half.
0: That's that puts a, a running back out of out of commission for a couple of years, I think. Yeah. So that's pretty tough. Did you did did it
1: happen when you in a crash? How did you sustain it? Oh, I hate to say this. Well, but we got to hear it.
0: Let's let's <laughs> I go. I did it
1: in front of my house on a fifty. <laughs> five years ago. Uh, it was like 20. I can't remember. It was around like five, six years ago now. I was, I was young. Um, I was backing in a little 50 in front of my house and got a little too far on the back end and it caught, tossed me up over the bike and you know, it's a little 50. So legs. I just stuck my leg out to save myself. Oh, and wow. I popped it out of its socket and everything. Went to the hospital, got x-rays. Doctor said I was fine. Come to find out I was not fine. Yeah, And then over years of just, being an idiot, crashing, riding dirt bikes, having fun, jumping off things I probably shouldn't be jumping off of. Um, It just got worse. It just, you know, snowballed into something that got really bad. Then I crashed a Laguna race two last year and that was it. Bike landed on my leg and I couldn't, I could barely walk. And every, every week or so I was popping my knee out of its socket.
0: Man. Well, I'm glad you got that taken care of now. Yeah. I had
1: had no choice. Yeah. I kind of, it sucked. It was, it was a rough, you know, I've broken bones. I've had surgery. Um, I broke my wrist and had to get surgery on that. I broke my arm. Luckily, I didn't have to get surgery, but those were nothing compared to getting, you know, ligament surgery. It's tough. Yeah. For the first, you know, two months, I couldn't really do anything. For the first month, I was in bed. I had crutches. I lay down all day, which sucked because I went from being outside every day, doing something to I couldn't do anything even if I wanted to. Right. Um, I pushed myself though, you know, even when I, I probably shouldn't say this out loud, even when I wasn't supposed to walk without crutches, I just leave my crutches on the ground and, you know, walk 10, 15 feet to the bathroom and just do it without my crutches Yeah. just to condition myself. So I got my crutches off like two weeks before I was supposed to, I got my brace off almost a month before I was supposed to just cause I pushed myself that little extra bit. Um, back, back to what we we're saying though, what I usually do. Um, so I started working at Orient Express since... Uh, I was working with Skip, amazing, amazing boss. Yeah. I loved working for him. Uh, it was just last week I stopped working for him and went back to my dad. Now that I'm all healed now, but that's what I did in the meantime because all I did was I just packed boxes, swept up, made sure the sh- the warehouse was all clean and everything. So it was it was like a light load on my leg, which helped a lot. So what are you doing with your dad? Um, so he does construction, I guess. a lot of commercial um not really like paving roads or anything but you know like parks and um like parts of roads they do a lot for the uh the mta and con ed and a lot of things in new york so like underground they do a lot of that stuff as well wow but i haven't really done that yet i've kind of been at the boss's house working at his house so just i'm starting to learn a little bit here and there
0: that's cool um, it's funny because Michael Gilbert, you probably know, I mean, he went from what he was doing with Cycle World to now he kind of took over his dad's business too. So it's interesting that you're sort of doing the same thing, you know, following with your what your dad does. So um, that's cool. Keeping in the family like that.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, it's just good. You know, when I have to go ride, I can go ride. It's not, it doesn't really turn into an issue. Right. If I told someone else, like, this is my schedule, they're like, oh, we're right. not working here. Yeah, you're, we need somebody, somebody else. Right now.
0: Yeah. So... Earlier in this podcast, I had a bit of a senior moment. Um, I thought it was a couple of years ago that you were in junior cup and then you went to twins cup, but that was all you were in junior cup last year. Mm -hmm. And then you started out in twins cup this year and you're doing some super sport at the end of the season next year,
1: super sport for sure. Um, We're still looking for support for next season. Uh, we have some things lined up, nothing set in stone. It's just like, you know, thoughts being thrown around. We're just trying to figure out how we can fund, like get the funds to get it done. Um, but honestly I'm open for anything. You know, Twins Cup's an amazing class. Yeah, it is. Super Sport is is a great class. Yes. Um, Twins Cup can set you up for a lot of things. Same as Super Sport can as well. It's stacked with a really talented field of riders. And that's really what I'm looking for. Right. I just want to go into a class where I know it's going to be tough. I know it's going to be hard. The riders are going to be fast and I can go out there and I can learn and get faster and get better. Good yeah. plan.
0: Yeah. I mean, for sure. And I mean, it's good that we have twins cup to, you know, cause sometimes it's a nice intermediary before going from, from junior cup to, to super sport. That's pretty tough, but mm-hmm. it, twins cups, a, at least a little bit of an in between thing for you. Um, what about a, what about a leader bike have you?
1: I've ridden a 1000, you know, just spun like a couple sessions on, a. uh, like at a a track day but i'm sure i can figure it out (laughs) but you've got you've got a few years ahead of you
0: and obviously you're still young so um that'll come at some point Mm -hmm. i'm sure so yeah um it's good that you continue to do what you're doing with uh down at this track and you mentioned some of the mini cup riders do you do you work with
1: them a little bit to help them out A lot of them are just as fast as me, so I don't really know. There's not much. (laughs) What are you going to tell them? There's not much coaching to do. They're going to be like, I can keep up with you though. But no, I help them out here and there. You know, I have a lot. I have a lot of riding experience. I've been racing for a very long time. I've raced against a lot of fast riders, so I have you know just just a little edge over a lot of the little kids who can put down really fast times. But you know, I can like just some of them. I help them sharpen up a couple of things here and there. Like here, you should. Just throw an example. I was riding with one of the, the kids that are racing this weekend, Josh, at uh the car track, the, the Liberator car track, which I think they're racing on this weekend. And I told him, like, you know, this section here, just give up a little bit here so you can gain another three tenths on the exit of this corner. Just little things like that that they, you know, will learn over time with racing and riding other tracks and racing other bikes, just stuff like that. But there's not – it's all little nitpicking stuff, nothing like, oh, you have to change this. There's none of that. They're all – really fast and they all
2: had really good
1: coaching through the
2: mini gp program see most kids like from our era and even after that most kids start out on little dirt bikes and then they don't get to do that they they never used to get to do that until they were 15 16 right. years old right and now it seems like they go straight to that and a lot of times skip the whole dirt yeah motocross stuff. It, did, you, did you ride off-road motocross or anything, or did you just go straight to that?
1: Not really. I kind of I suck on a dirt bike. I mean, <laughs> I can get around the track or, uh, pretty decently, but you wouldn't find me in any dirt bike races. Um, I started off a of road racing just riding it in my school's parking lot that I got kicked out of several times for, wow. riding, a dirt, for riding a little dirt bike there. But, um, yeah, it's great. The whole Mini Cup program is awesome. I, w- I kind of wish we had that as well, just to bring more fat, more talented riders into a single area. Because, you know, NJ Mini GP, we have what we have. Um, I would love to see more riders come from other states to come, like more talented riders come right here because our talent here is amazing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you still have those really fast kids from other areas. And I kind of wish there was something like that back when I was little. I feel like maybe it could help me a little bit. Maybe, maybe not. You never know. But um, definitely wouldn't hurt.
0: One of the things that I find interesting about you, Joe, is um, so you're on the East Coast. You're as about mm-hmm. as easy as you can get. And you talk about your mentoring that you, you do for younger riders. Well, you have a, a rider, a seasoned rider who mentors you a little bit, and it's a guy from the West Coast in Jason Pridmore. Tell us about your relationship with Jason and, and how that started and, and what he means to your program.
1: I mean, first of all, I love working with Jason. He's great. He knows so much. And, you know, if you need – if you're looking for an extra second, he will find you that extra second, 100%. But it was kind of funny. I was going to Laguna – Um, I'm pretty sure it was Laguna last year and I just, I had his number. I'd never messaged him before. And I was like, Hey Jason, you know, um, head down to Laguna this weekend. You mind if I go out on a track walk with you, You think you can help me out and yada, yada, yada. And he was, he loved it. It was like the Laguna was the first time I met him and it was such a good connection. Uh, A lot of the things we do are pretty similar on the bike. So it's kind of easy to relate with what he says. And he's just been helping me progress so much. And his track walks are amazing. He finds everything. He has a method for everything that he does. Nothing has just gone to waste. So if he breaks here or does something, he does it for a reason. He could tell you why and where and how, how he does it, why he does it this way. It's The way he thinks is so methodical. It's good to hear something like that. Not just, oh, I just, you know, get on the brakes deep and get on the gas. It's, he has such a thought out method for how he does it and his, and he has very good reference points. That's one thing I don't, I've don't. i had to work on. I've gotten a lot better at are picking reference points that where, you know, I used to just break where I, I it felt comfortable, but now I have like, oh, I break at this mark on the track or, and then I could use those to like next lap. I have to outbrake someone. I break five feet, five feet later than that little line. It's just little stuff like that. So these break markers, tell us about that. Is it
0: is it a spot on the track? Is it like something on the side of the track? You, you pick out
1: something, right? Mm, and you use it. Tell yeah. us about what that is. It's really anything. I mean, you, I try not to pick something that's, that can move. So yeah, right. some people- That's a good idea. Some people like will pick a cone or something. I don't, right. I don't like to rely on that because maybe they moved it 10 feet deeper <laughs> the next oh, wow. time you go out. I know, I don't remember who it was, but it was at Summit Point in West Virginia. They had this like- I don't know what it was that they were looking at. Well, I know what it, what it is now, but I think they they thought it was a rock or something, and that was their breaking zone. But every lap, they thought they were breaking a little deeper, a little deeper, until they just got in way too deep, ran wide and crashed, or or just ran off something like that. Come to find out, it was a turtle. I was
0: going to that say. was moving
1: because <laughs> Summit Point is like is like National Geographic over yes. there. There's always <laughs> something on the track, so that's why I try to pick something that I know won't move. Like. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> like a mark in the pavement or something. Yeah. And that's not going to move until it gets repaved. And, right. and then I got to find over. something else. Yeah, but just, you know, uh, the second something that's solid comes into my sight, I'm like, all right, this is when I get on the brakes or this is when I turn. This is when I open the throttle. Just little things like that. And that's what Jason's so good at. He has literally every single corner. He has something there that he uses as a reference point. Wow. That's interesting. The other part about Jason is
0: it sounds like, from what i understand he kind of brokered the deal with you and going to race with uh, michael gilbert because obviously jason Mm -hmm. michael works with him in the school so is he part of the reason that you've been racing with 55 racing and michael michael gilbert
1: for sure i think you know he planted the seed like oh i think this is the rider that should you know ride for this team so i'm very you know appreciative of that and great very grateful that he's willing to help me out
0: yeah that's really good, and especially at this track that you know pretty well. But this is your track. How well do you know this track? Anybody than anybody else? Uh, any better than anybody else is what I meant to say. I misspoke there. You did a lot of mini cart k- track. Sorry, you did a lot of karting, mini racing, cart mm-hmm. track, mini racing. Sorry, <laughs> close enough. Um, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, we know um, what you mean. But on the big track, I don't know. Do you have more laps than anybody else around here? Do you think?
1: Um, a lot of the Jersey guys, I probably have the same amount of laps like Ty Scott, Gus, Spencer. You know, we all probably have similar laps. Um, but the field is so talented. Even if you've never been here before, they're gonna figure it out pretty fast. I mean, just being at a track that you know very well is really only good for maybe Friday. Then everyone, figures everyone catches it out. Up. Yep, yeah. Everyone figures it out if like the, the top guys. So i have a little bit of an advantage you know i would know where this where the track is really bumpy it's gotten a lot worse since last year that's that's i that's what i know because i haven't ridden it you know i rode it like a month and a half ago a little over a month ago and the last time i rode it was moto america last year and my first session i was like oh man the bike's broken someone mm. forgot to tighten something but it's just the track is getting a little bumpier which hopefully they actually do that repave this track will be sick
0: yeah they're going to repave it i think um all right. So we're out of time. We're going to wrap up, but we're just a real quick question for you. What, what's your hope for this weekend? What, what position you want to end up
1: in? Um, I stopped really aiming for okay. positions. Uh, okay. I realized that if I'm not in the position that I want to be, it, it's a higher chance of me like overthinking and, and, or screwing up. So okay. I'm just going into this weekend, just gonna, I've been working on a lot of things that I knew it's been hindering me. Um, like holding on to the lever for a little too long and just like little things like that. So I've been really focused on working on that. And if I can get that down and if moving up in positions is a result to that, I'll be very excited and very happy. Okay. Sounds, Sounds good. Fair,
0: fair enough. Well, good luck to you this weekend from at, here at New Jersey Motorsports Park. It's Joseph Bazooka Joe Lamondry right. Jr. That's right. All right. Good luck, Joe.
1: Skadoosh. Skadoosh. <laughs> Skadoosh. Thank Thanks, you. guys. I Thanks. appreciate it. Thanks.